everyone. Um, I do apologise for my voice and the way that it sounds. I also apologise for my wonky eye that's going to focus wherever it feels like it. And the fact that I've got a sick little monkey with me as well as I record. Um, it's, been, it's been a full week in the Brinkley household. Um, but I didn't want to miss out on this opportunity um, to speak through uh, this passage just because um, a couple of different reasons. Um, Swan asked me to speak on this one because it's, um, because it's the passage that he'd set aside for discussion about um, local mission and um, evangelism within our local context and how we can support local missionaries. Um, but also because it happens to come from the book of Ephesians, which um, if you've known me for more than about six seconds, you'd know that Ephesians is my favourite book of the Bible. And so um, I am going to try and um, keep this really short because I know um, that this is a, an all-in service and a video and that's just really hard and also my voice. Um, but uh, I just had a few thoughts and ideas that I wanted to share um, based on my study of this passage um, in the last couple of weeks. So um, the passage itself is Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 7 uh, to 16. So I hope that somebody will have read that so that I don't have to. <laughs> um, but basically I wanted to, um, to draw your attention to, um, we, we started with a but. Um, and so um, when we start with a but, which would indicate that we've sort of continued an idea, um, we want to look back at the idea that came before, as you would know. So, um, so we look, um, when we go back, <coughs> verse 1, um, Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Um, but again, we have in there a then, um, which takes us back even further. And the problem is that with this letter to the Ephesians, we could keep going back even further and even further and even further right to the beginning of the passage, the, the book, the letter. Partly because, strangely enough, in a letter, all the ideas are linked together. Um, the thing that I love about Ephesians is that um, the way that it starts and the view that we have, what the idea, the picture of Jesus and the Father that we have on view and the Spirit is just so enormous. Paul sets it up so, so large in our view um, where he talks about the enormity of the power that is at work um, in the Father, the Son and the Spirit, in the Trinity as they um, bring people together, as they, um, as they build the body that we are part of. And that's where our our part of the letter comes in. So we have, we've seen um, through uh, chapter one that we have been chosen. We were um, predestined according to the plan who works, um, to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will um, so that we could be um, the first to put our hope in Christ. So that's the, the people that Paul is speaking to. And we were also included in Christ when we heard the message of truth, um, the gospel of our salvation, when we believed, we were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those 
who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So that is the part of the community that we belong to, this community that was started um, way back in the Garden of Eden that was then expanded out to um, include us when Jesus um, died on the cross and was resurrected. Um, and also when the Holy Spirit was given after his ascension, that um, the Holy Spirit is the one who marks us as being part of the community of God. So that's what we have on view. But we also have on view the enormity of the power that the Holy Spirit has and what he does when he, um, when he interacts, but also what he does as part of um, the Trinity in raising Jesus, not only from the dead, um, which is extraordinary in itself, um, but raising him not only from the dead, but up to the heavenly realms to be seated at the right hand of the Father, that that power dwells in us. And so that is just something that is so excited. It says um, uh, in his first prayer, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people um, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So that is the spirit that is at work within us. We were made, we were dead in our transgressions and sins, says chapter 2, in which we used to live. Um, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace we have been saved, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The book of Ephesians is just so full of so much amazing stuff. Um, I, just, I just love this book. Can you tell? Um, so, um, so we have... Um, we were once, now in Jesus Christ, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. Um, that was the, the two groups, the uncircumcised and the circumcised. By setting aside in the flesh the law with its commands in, in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God. Through the cross by which he put to death their hostility, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And so we are built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the idea. I'm just picking out verses as I go through chapter 1 and 2. We then, chapter 3, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, he, for this reason, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. 
my favourite prayer in all of scripture. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses understanding. that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And with that ringing in our ears, we move on to chapter 4. And so Paul continues his idea as a prisoner for the Lord then. I urge you, he is in chains, he is in prison. He said all these incredible things about the inheritance that we have, the spirit that dwells in us, the um, relationship with the Father that we have and the relationship with each other that we have that has been redeemed because of Jesus' work on the cross and his resurrection. I urge you to live a life worthy of of the calling you have received. So he tells us to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, as grace has been given, to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, I'm not going to go into this next little bit because I just don't have time. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. That's from a psalm. The psalm itself is an odd psalm to have um, chosen from. Um, our New Testament writers weren't the best um, exegetes. Um, and so they, we have rules for exegesis. Um, they did not <laughs> because they were apostles. They could do what they like. We can't. Um, so I won't go into that. But um, So Christ himself. So it's not the things that we choose for ourselves. We've heard that God prepared in advance works for us to do. We've been called um, to one faith. One Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So, him, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We know, we've heard over the last number of weeks, that all of us are called to do um, the work of evangelism. That's the whole point of discussing Missions Month, is that um, 
we, we have not just a great commission, we have a little G going, as Neil told us, um, that we have responsibilities um, within our communities, that we have um, love for brothers and sisters um, and for the people around us that compels us um, to share Jesus and share the, um, the good news that we have. But there are some who are set apart to be different, um, who have been set apart by Christ um, to be um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Um, we know that there are people like that in our um, congregation, that there are people. We have set Swan apart to be um, a pastor and a teacher to us. Um, we've set others apart when um, we invite them to preach um, and to expound the word to us. Um, but we also, um, you do a really great job of, um, of encouraging me in, um, in my work and what I do as far as evangelism is concerned and um, evangelising to the students on campus. Um, and, and so there are things that we do as a community that we do because we are called to um, individually and because we are all called to be evangelists. We are all called to read and interpret the scriptures. We are all called to teach those amongst us who are younger than us, younger in the faith, um, younger in age, um, to teach the things that we know. But there are some who are set apart to do um, the public ministries, the really, um, the things that have great responsibility attached to them. And so um, one of the things that Swan asked me to do um, is to, and I'll go backwards just a bit for a second. The reason for that um, is because um, Jesus gave these gifts to his people and he tells us in the passage um, it's so that we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Can you even imagine what the whole measure of the fullness of Christ would look like at Glen Osmond Baptist? Like, could you imagine what our community would look like if we actually attained the full measure, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, we won't do that until, <coughs> excuse me, we won't do that until we see eternity. Um, and that's what we look forward to, that picture of what it is to be in perfect community, in perfect communion with God. Um, what an amazing image. Um, but we strive for that. That's what we're aiming for every day when we come together as a group. But when we also get together um, just within our families or within our friends um, to, to guide and spur one another on. Because otherwise the risk is, as Paul says, we will be infants. We will be tossed to and fro by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. We are at risk if we don't um, make sure we set those people apart and do the things that we need to do um, to support them and listen to them and, um, and be those people ourselves too, if that's what we're called to do, um, that we actually, we cut the church short. We, um, we don't, we don't protect ourselves against um, those who come in and want to tear it down or um, share things that aren't true or um, point to a God that's other than the one that we know through the scriptures. Um, so instead, we speak the truth in love and as such, we will grow to become in every respect 
the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we all have our work to do. We all had it prepared in advance for us. Um, some of us, it's as um, professional, vocational Christians in ministry. Some of it, it's um, as professional, vocational Christians in other um, arenas of the world. Um, but we all have our part to play. And as I, um, as I do my part at Flinders, um, which is both a really exciting part often, um, and is also a really hard part. I wanted to share with you some of the things that um, are particularly encouraging for people who um, who work in ministry, in frontline ministry, um, and who um, who can often feel a little bit alone. It's a bit lonely um, working in ministry um, and working um, doing evangelism as part of what we do. Um, working um, on the mission field, as it were, or um, working uh, in parachurch ministry, local ministry, um, that seeks to share Jesus with um, those that we come in contact with. Um, things that make it really hard are the fact that you're often, um, and this is the money thing, um, you're often at the, um, uh, at the, mercy of those who um who give um people my supporters you know who you are you're pretty amazing give so generously um and i am blown away every time somebody comes on board um it's hard to ask for money all the time um it's also hard to ask for money when um there's always something in the back of your mind that says, these people know how I spent my money. <laughs> um, they know that I have um, frivolous addictions to earrings. I nearly put some in today and thought that was a bit much. Um, that um, that, uh, that I almost feel sometimes, not because it comes from my partners, but because I feel like I should show results for what's happening. Um, and after 12 years on campus to, um, to be having incredible conversations with people and to be working with students, and there's so many, like dozens and dozens and dozens of students that I've worked with over the years, and know that I've been really encouraging to them, but also knowing that in 12 years, I'm not aware of anyone becoming a Christian as a result of what I've done on campus, um, that can be a really hard truth to confront, um, especially when asking people to to support financially. So that's just something that um, is really hard to do to um, to ask, knowing um, that it's not there aren't KPIs that I can tick off, um, that there aren't um, there isn't a lot of bang for your buck. Um, I do the hours and I, um, I do it with faith and positivity and prayer and um, hope um, and I take it seriously but it is, it is hard when you're at the, um, when, you're, when you're asking other people um, to make it possible. Um, when, when there are so many times when I think it would just be so much easier if I just 
got a regular job and just put in a normal paycheck and I would feel like I earned it. That's ultimately what it comes down to, I suspect. Um, some of the other things, so that's just something that's really hard. One of the things that um, I would ask, and I think I'm, I'm not alone in asking this at all, is actually the biggest, the biggest support um, that people can be to people who are in um, local ministry is um, prayer. And I know it sounds really cliched, and I know um, it sounds um, a bit easy and a bit um, lip service maybe, but um, I've just been really confronted recently with how, how ineffective people are. Um, how the gospel only makes sense if the spirit is at work. That I can talk till I'm blue in the face and I have tried. I promise. Um, I have tried. But my words mean nothing without the spirit being at work. Um, and so when we say that your prayers are valued, we do not ever underestimate or undersell or um, we don't, we always mean that because if it's not for prayer, none of this will happen. We are having an excellent semester at Flinders. We're about to start semester two. It's been an amazing semester. We have had so many people come and join us, so many people who've never heard the gospel before, so many international students, so many people really keen to hear who Jesus is and to, to read the Bible. Without your prayers, we've got nothing. Like we're just people. We're just people like you. Um, we have a bit more training, maybe. But unless God is at work, and unless the prayers of his people are being sent up, um, we, we, we're a bit useless. So please, please, I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. Please be praying um, because we, <laughs> but we need, we need so much prayer around us just as we know that you do. So um, that leads me to my next point too. Um, we want to be in relationship with you. Um, we we want to be praying for you too because we know that your work of evangelism is hard too. Um, we want to know um, how you guys are doing. We want to... Um, when we send out emails, we want to hear from you. We want to know what's um, been helpful in what we've shared. We want to know what's been encouraging in what we've shared. Um, so yeah, so feel free to, um, to respond to emails. Um, your encouragement in person is amazing. Um, you, are go you guys are so good at asking questions and um, checking in with how things are going. But if there are other missionaries or other evangelistic projects that you're um, supporting, either financially or through prayer, do respond to emails that get sent or information that gets sent um, so that they can hear um, what's helpful for you and what's encouraging you about what they're sharing. Um, otherwise, we feel sometimes that we're just sending it out into nothing, into blank space. And so we do ask, um, I say we, I, in, on behalf of a lot of other people that I have spoken to, lots of Michos and, and others who are in the same situation I am, 
um, please do um, reach out and feedback and, and encourage that way. Um, we love and we know that we can't do our work without you. Um, I rock up on campus every day. Um, I do the bit that you can't do because you're at work or you're at home or you're at school or whatever. Um, but I can't do that if you guys aren't um, doing your part um, on your side. So um, I just wanted to say, um, yeah, that's, that's ultimately what um, I would love for you to be doing. So um, I know that that's, um, this has probably been a bit of a random um, mash of thoughts, but um, I wanted to send it through because it's been whirling around in my head. Um, so yeah, so please feel free to spend a bit more time looking at Ephesians 4 um, and, um, and also um, in prayer and, um, and encouragement and considering also finances um, for those who are in frontline ministry as well. Thanks for listening. I'll see you when I see you soon. Bye.